You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. For today's Monday podcast, where we are going to go through the second part of our dissection of the Bucks' big win over the LA Clippers. So, for those of you that maybe didn't realize that there was a Sunday pod, we haven't been doing them on the weekend so far this season. Normally, uh, it is a Monday to Friday pod, but Given the magnitude of this win and how many talking points there were from this game, we decided to split this up into two. So part one came out on Sunday, and now today on Monday, part two uh, is out for you guys. So if you missed part one, jump back in into that one and, and make sure you listen to that. We spoke about Giannis. Uh, we spoke about the uh, just incredible role that the, the bench players had in this win for the Bucks. And now we're going to move into part two, and we'll get straight into it where we touch on... Wes Matthews' defense and Kawhi Leonard, the fact that Bud put Wes in that position, and then also Brooke Lopez, uh, and whether or not his Defensive Player of the Year credentials stack up, because what he's doing on the defensive end is absolutely elite. So let's jump right into it. Part two, Bucks beat the Clippers. Let's do it. We haven't talked about Brooke Lopez, Bloodsower, Matthews, um, and I think all those guys had interesting games. Um, Lopez really struggled offensively, but another three blocks. And, man, his game-to-game defensive impact just continues to be so high. And, I mean, granted, the the Clippers are a team that don't – I don't think they need to be, you know, getting to the rim to score a ton of points. You know, the way Kawhi and – the way Kawhi as well as um, uh, – Paul George play, um, you know, they don't, they don't go to the rim very much at all, actually, especially Kawhi's numbers are way down this year in terms of his, his rim stuff um, as the share of his shots. But, um, but in general, I mean, like, you know, he's, he's just such a, a big impact guy as far as just mucking up the entire you know area on the basket. And um, I just wish he'd start hitting some threes because then, because then casual fans would probably, also want to give him more credit for his defense. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought Brooke again, defensively, you know, he's, he's the rock back there. Um, and uh, I don't know if you want to say anything else about him. I mean, I think probably Matthews, you could put in that similar story. I mean, but Matthews is very noticeable just because, um, you know, Kawhi plays with such a deliberate style. Um, you know, he's not, he doesn't play like in a really explosive manner. He's posting up, he's kind of, snaking on pick and rolls you know he's moving very slowly most of the time which actually works pretty well for Wes Matthews because Wes you know is 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 probably going to do a lot better against guys who try to out muscle you versus guys who just try to blow by you um and so I thought he was really good 
uh, in this game. And, um, you know, again, kind of giving you what you lost. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was really good in the playoffs against Kawhi, I felt. And that was kind of what, what Wes Matthews had to do tonight, taking that role um, from the opening tip, where, whereas Chris had, had Paul George. So, um, you know, shout out to Wes Matthews. He's obviously been been playing at a much better level here of late after, you know, kind of some up and down times in, in the early part of the season. So um, shout out to Wes, shout out to Brooke, especially for what they did defensively. Yeah. So as soon as you said, there's a couple of guys we haven't got to the two guys that I did want to talk about. You just, you just hit, I mean, Wes and Brooke, I think um, there's just interesting things to, to take from, from that game and not just that game, the whole season. So I guess I'll start with Wes because you, you just mentioned Brogdon and, it's it's just interesting to see that that's the matchup that Bud went with yesterday because I kind of I, I don't know about you Frank but I was kind of baffled by the attention Brogdon got nationally when he went to the Pacers about the impact it would have defensively for the Bucks and that's not to say that Brogdon isn't a solid defender he is he's a good defender but I do feel that a big part of that was that the closest that a lot of people watched the Bucks was in the Eastern Conference Finals. And they saw six games of Brogdon and he defended Kawhi a lot. And I think that's what people saw. They saw that Brogdon did a, a really admirable job defending Kawhi and they're like, oh yeah, well, he's, a, he's an elite defender. We, we saw him defending Kawhi. Um, and West did a pretty good job yesterday. And when you look at the size of those two guys, they're giving up a fair bit of height to Kawhi and also wingspan. But Brogdon 6'5", 229 with a wingspan of 6'10", is, is what I, what, what I uh, looked up today. Matthews is 6'4", 220 with a wingspan of 6'9". So he's kind of sneakily tall and long as well. Like, yeah, you're still giving up some size to Kawhi. But as you mentioned, I, I think that Kawhi is a guy that is... I mean, he's easier to... De- now, I feel really... I want to be careful about saying he's easier to defend than, than someone else, but it's not like you could put him... Uh, put those Wes Matthews on Paul George and I'd feel good about it. He, he's he's just going to blow by Wes. He's going to step back. He's going to shoot the three. Kawhi, you kind of know. He wants to get to the mid-range. He's going to try and post you up. He's probably going to try and get to the free-throw line and shoot that little short uh, jumper. And and I think that Wes is... He's not always... I mean, Kawhi's going to go off at some point. There's only one game. But I think there are some similarities with what those two guys are able to do. That's Brogdon and Wes. Yeah, I mean, physically, you're right. I mean, there's some similarities. And I think back to, um, you know, our friend Dean Maniot, who uh, we were supposed to have on Thursday, and then timing kind of got messed up. So we'll have Dean on hopefully Three next time week. Three time zones. It's tough, to, it's tough to organize. It, yeah. Um, but uh, the thing, the thing with I think I think Dean. I want to give. I think it's. I think Dean's the person who, who I first heard this from. Um, I think he described Brogdon as basically like an undersized small forward defensively, um, and I think that I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like he's so. I mean, almost 230 pounds for a guy of his size. I mean that that is that is thick. I mean you can you know you're very switchable. If you're a point guard and you're that big, um, and you have that type of length, like you know if you're if you're a smart defender. And I think Malcolm certainly is. I mean, you know, he's, he's generally a, a, a cerebral player. Um, you know, you should be very switchable. And, and that was always sort of the, to me, one of the ironies of the Bucks defense and, and why I felt like they probably never really maximized yeah, yeah. Brogdon because 
it's not a, it's, they don't do a lot of switching. Um, they're going over screens. Well, what does Malcolm not do well? Go over screens. He's too freaking strong. He's too big. He's too broad shouldered, right? And, you know, just physically, it's hard for him to do that. You know, Giannis also struggles getting over screens for kind of slightly different reasons. Um, but, uh, but and, and the thing that he does well, which is, um, you know, being able to defend kind of multiple positions, you know, just of less value uh, if you're playing the type of defense the, the Bucks have. Now, we saw, obviously, against the Raptors, it was, it was valuable because you could stagger Malcolm and Chris and, and kind of, you know, use that defensive matchup, you know, that normally you maybe don't need to do. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Kawhi's kind of one of those guys. And I'm really curious with his leg, I'm, I'm really curious just to see kind of what his next couple of years look like because, I mean, I mean, he was, I mean, he did a lot of what he did last year in the playoffs with, I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't know if we ever found out exactly what was wrong with him, but I mean, you know, he, he was not doing great physically um, even as he was dominating the playoffs, which speaks volumes about his toughness and, and, you know, just kind of the type of player he is. But um, you're, you're right. It, it seems like with Kawhi, I mean, he's so good at kind of hitting those mid range shots and kind of drawing fouls and, and doing that kind of stuff. It almost feels like sometimes, like you know, you can defend super well, um, and it may not matter. Um, but likewise, he's not necessarily going to expose like a slow-footed defender in the same way that you know a lot of other um, kind of star scorers might. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of a weird. It's definitely just sort of a weird um, combination of, of skills that he brings. And I think the good news, obviously, for the Bucks that we saw was, you know, you didn't need to put Kawhi or Middleton on uh, Kawhi for size reasons uh, you know you could get away with putting Matthews out there because again Wes is obviously a savvy guy he's strong um, and you know he'll hold his ground pretty well even though he's obviously not not as big as Kawhi so yeah definitely big shout out to, to Wes and I, again I mean just fitting in reasonably well <laughs> yeah. with that starting five I mean they're, they're plus 19 points per 100 right now um, that group has, has been really good. And, uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the ask of Wes is not super high. Um, but you know, on nights like, like Friday, it was super high cause you had to go out and defend Kawhi Leonard, which is not an easy thing to do. And he rose to the challenge, which, you know, we've seen him do that at least a, a few times now this season, you know, whether it was against, um, you know, Harden and Westbrook on opening night or now Kawhi, um, you know, it's it's great to have a guy who obviously physically he's not, you know, what he once was, but he still has enough between the years. He still has enough strength that, you know, he can really compete and, and obviously help give you a chance and give you some flexibility defensively. I want to remind you guys that today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, you use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top locked on podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at Locked On Bucks on Twitter. And we will share and retweet that one for you guys. It's a time of year when everyone is traveling or running around getting thoughtful gifts for the people you care about. But you should think about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months with Audible. You can choose three titles every month, one audio book and two exclusive Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while commuting, at the gym, or during your holiday travels. Right now, as I mentioned, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. 
Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA or text locked on NBA to 500 500. That's audible.com slash L O C K E D O N NBA or text locked on NBA to 500 500. So don't forget to cash in on this incredible deal with Audible. And maybe you want to go down the path that I'm going. I'm about to listen to The Sixth Man by Andre Iguodala. It's a memoir about his career so far. We don't know where he's going to end up next. There's, there's plenty of rumors out there with Iggy, but this one is, is going to be a great listen. I'm really looking forward to that. But do not forget to cash in on this deal. As I said, up to 53% off for three months with Audible. You don't want to miss out. All right, so as I, I'm, I'm going to sort of transition back to Brooke a little bit here, but it also relates to Kawhi because when you, when you talk about um, or when we both talk about the fact that the Kawhi wants to get to that mid-range shot. He's kind of got a weird shot as well, Kawhi, because it's like super flat and it's not like he has a super high jump on his jump shot. Like he, he doesn't like rise up and shoot over you. He doesn't necessarily have a, a, a totally uh, high release point, but he, he seems to be able to just find his spot and get the shot off. And I think it was interesting that He's also not a big assist guy. And we've seen this year, when you look at his assist numbers this year, 5.2, I mean, that, that is well up on, on anywhere he's been in his career. And I think from a lot of those shots, and he really does like to get to the free throw line. He takes a high percentage of his shots from there. I think you saw Brooke Lopez also be a factor there as well, because you can sort of predict that that's where uh, Leonard wants, wants to get to. And Brooke, I mean, I was looking at some of his numbers this morning and I believe I'm going to say it was Seth partner that might've tweeted this yesterday about Brooke Lopez or a couple of days ago. Now, when, when you're listening to this about Brooke Lopez defensive player of the year uh, credentials. And I mean, I think there's no doubt that, you know, for, for pure impact and what he's doing defensively, he should be in the conversation. I don't think he's ever going to get into the conversation because uh, as I've mentioned before, there's been a couple of podcasts that I've listened to, uh, this season that have still described Brook Lopez as not a notably good defender. And it's like, okay, well, uh, he's actually been defending the rim at an elite level since he walked in the door in, in Milwaukee. But his block percentage has gone up from 3.7 to 4.5 this year, which has him in the 95th percentile. That was on uh, cleaning the glass. But the interesting thing about that is you might say, well, okay, well, his block percentage has gone up. But our team's shooting more at the rim. No, they're not. The, 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 somehow, the Bucks were ranked first for uh, frequency of op- opposition shots at the rim last year. It was only at 30.3%. It's gone down to 29.7, both ranked first uh, in the league. And teams have gone from shooting 57.5% at the rim all the way down to 53.5% at the rim. Like, teams are, first of all, terrified to go in there when Brook Lopez is in there. And then when they get there, they're not shooting at a very good percentage for, for, that, for that shot. Yeah, I mean, he, he's really just. I mean, again, this is this is what's what's so interesting about the Bucks. I mean, they they have their identity is so clear on what they do systematically, where they make you you know beat them. And obviously, you know, we've seen the Bucks. You know, they won a the couple of games without Brook. Uh, you know, basically it was a week ago, roughly, uh, which is encouraging, right? Like that you can throw the other Lopez in, and you know, you're not suddenly in in deep trouble without Brook, but. Certainly, when it comes to executing this defense, um, you know nobody on this roster this year, last year, can execute it the way Brooke has. And um, yeah, it was Sess. I think it was today, or this is this is Saturday night. Um, 
he he tweeted digging in on some stuff and I want to start floating Brooke Lopez's game as an early DPOI candidate. And, you know, look, Brooke is never going to win it because Giannis is too good defensively and he has a higher profile. And so like he could never win just because people will always perceive Giannis as kind of the the bigger defensive impact guy. Um, And, and again, this is a phenomenal luxury to have as a Bucks fan, right. That you get to see two players starting at the four and five position who um, are you know really both deserving of of consideration um i think again brooke is i think his reputation is probably um you know too far gone as as being an offensive guy that even though people are now getting around to realizing he's a really good defensive defensive player i don't think they're gonna you know i don't think he's gonna get start getting votes over like a rudy gobert type guy um or rudy gobert himself um but <laughs> but yeah it's, it's fun and it's something you know i think at a minimum we as a bucks podcast we should continually be talking about and i think we have um you know if the if the storyline on brooke lopez that that people get is well he's not shooting threes as well then you know i think you're 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 missing the point you know yes offensively uh he's been missing threes but you know when you think about that that overall impact um you know, he's just been such a, such a great force for the Bucks, And again, he was last year used again this year. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a great luxury to have. And, and hopefully those three start, start falling again. Yeah. This, this was sort of a conversation last year, um, as we were sort of getting towards the end of the year, I know, you know, people that watched the Bucks were saying, oh, well, look, is Brooke Lopez a chance for all defense? And that was really like where I sat and I'm like, well, no, because like, I'm not sure that he, he, first of all, I don't think that outside he's getting enough credit for what he's doing, but also it's like, are you going to get Giannis and Brooke in the old defense team? Probably not. And then it ended up being Bledsoe, which I think was a well-deserved uh, nod anyway, but yeah, it's just really hard for Brooke to, it feels like a weird thing to say, but it's hard for Brooke to get the credit because Giannis is always going to be the guy there. And, uh, and when you're looking at defensive player of the year candidates, I think most people have, they're almost always going to have Giannis up there now. Like he's always going to be in that conversation every year. Um, so it would be hard for, for Brooke to come over the top and, and get involved in that. But I guess, I mean, you did mention Bledsoe. We may as well just—I mean, we've just about gone through the whole roster. We may as well uh, mention Bledsoe. Kind of a—it's a strange matchup, the Clippers, because you know, defensively on Patrick Beverly, it's like okay, well, he's not really a huge factor in the, in the Clippers' offense. He hasn't been shooting the three well at all, and he had, he took a couple yesterday, Beverly, um, that that were just—they did—they did not look good. It was funny that he was two for five from three because I feel like all the misses were just horrific. But um, you know, offensively as well. Bledsoe wasn't, I mean, he pulled up, he hit a couple threes, but then he only hit four shots for the game. Two of them came from behind the arc, five assists. Not a, a dominant game for Bledsoe, but I, I guess with so many other guys stepping up, it was one of those nights where he kind of took a little bit uh, of a backseat. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a time, uh, kind of the middle part of this game, where the phrase playoff Bledsoe kept popping up in my, in my head. Um, and it, it just felt a little bit like he was searching for a way like he like didn't know exactly how he was supposed to be sort of fitting into this game offensively. Uh, and one of the very interesting things about the way this season is shaping up with these, you know, new contenders springing out of the Clippers uh, and Lakers um, and obviously Philly uh, kind of continuing on, um, you know, those are arguably the three biggest um, and we'll see how you know we'll see how the season evolves. Obviously, Philly hasn't been been great to to start this year, but um, 
none of those teams start a like there's nobody really for Bledsoe to necessarily defend yeah. among the starters. Um, I think certainly Lou Williams, obviously you expect him to close for the Clippers. And so there's obviously value there in having, um, you know, Bledsoe, you know, available to kind of harass the Williams, but, um, but it's not like, you know, like a year ago, I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at uh, Kyle Lowry uh, for the Raptors in the, you know, the quote unquote final four, right. You know, you had Lowry who obviously is important to, to defend at a high level. You had, um, you know, in the, in the West Steph and Damian Lillard and, you know, like it, it kind of made more sense um, or even, you know, the Rockets, obviously Bledsoe has, um, has a, a lot of story behind uh, defending the Rockets. Um, so it's a little weird because defensively, you know, his value is lower, I think against kind of some of these teams that you might say, well, if you're going to make it to the finals or you're going to go to the East finals, um, you know, certainly Boston with Kemba, he'd be important in a game like that. But, but, you know, the, these other teams don't really play the traditional point guards in the same way that um, in the same way that, that we've been used to them. And so it's, it's sort of just a, a kind of a strange situation. So if he doesn't play at a high level offensively, I mean, what, what's his value at, right? I mean, it's a concern and, you know, it was encouraging to see him hit that three. I think it was in the third quarter. I want to say he had a three and he stole an inbound and finished a layup. So he was, he kind of got back and he kind of got back into um, sort of like the big run and, and kind of had some, you know, kind of plays there um, that kind of, you know, salvaged his night a little bit, but, Still, you know, he hasn't really been scoring much of late. He's been in much more of a distributing role, which is probably okay, you know. But, um, again, on some level, after what we saw last last spring, you know, you just worry, okay, well, what if, you know, you get into a series where Giannis is, is getting doubled or sort of taken out of the game a little bit? Um, you know, Chris and, and Bled, I mean, they're, those are guys that are going to have to score. Um, and uh, so there there is a, certainly, you know, just after last year, there's, I think there is sort of that residual anxiety. I think that we're going to have until we don't have it, <laughs> you, know? you know, like we're going to, we're going to worry about Bledsoe until, uh, until the Bucks win a championship basically, or until he's, until he plays at a much, much higher level than we saw in last year's playoffs. But, um, but yeah, strange, strange kind of matchup. Uh, but at a minimum, um, Pat Beverly uh, certainly didn't have a whole lot to talk trash about given uh Given how, given how this game went, uh, and I think Beverly was what Beverly was a minus thirty-two, <laughs> scored six points in uh, thirty minutes. Yeah, it's. I mean, my my big concern is that I, I feel like, and I don't know whether this is just a, a, a pessimistic view of Bledsoe because I mean, I, I didn't think he was like bad or anything yesterday. He, he just had one of those nights where it's like. What, as, I mean, you sort of pointed to it. I think what you said was right. It's like, what's his role? Like, what is he doing out there right now? And like, it's defensively, um, sure. Like, Lou Williams obviously um, is a big task. But, you know, when Beverly's on the floor, he's kind of just floating around. And my concern with Bledsoe is that when he gets in that kind of uh, zone, I feel like he just gets in jump shooting mode. Um, mm. he, he sort of, like, when he loses focus, it's like, all right, I'm just going to start jacking threes. And he didn't do it, like, terribly, but a couple of the threes that he hit, well, certainly the Quick one in the clips. first quarter. Yeah, it was just like, and it's kind of like, why are you taking that shot? It's like, yeah. that's not a shot we want to see. So that's probably my big concern when he doesn't have that, like, sole focus of what he needs to do, you know? It's like when, uh, and, and you, you you go all the way back to that Boston series. It's like Terry Rozier. It's like, come on, man. It's like, you, you, you're a better player than him. Like, but it's like he needs that challenge. I, I, I don't know. It was, uh, 
it was it, it is it's a weird matchup and it's kind of strange to think about um you know getting to an nba finals and it's like oh pat beverly and bledsoe and, and sure lou williams as you mentioned is going to be playing huge minutes but uh you know when you've got the the two best wing defenders arguably uh on opposition teams in the league in, in Kawhi and paul george uh you might need bledsoe to have some big scoring nights yeah and i mean it's it's an interesting question as the as this kind of season rolls on i mean um, you know it's a bucks as the Bucks, yeah, as the Bucks continue to roll up and rack up like big win numbers, um, you kind of wonder. I mean, it makes it, I think, probably harder for the Bucks to to make a move, uh, especially with one of their key guys to make a trade. Um, but you know, it's sort of those questions. I think, you know, what's the big thing you lose if you were to trade Eric Bledsoe for, for another point guard? Right. Well, you'd lose defense almost certainly. Right. I mean, he's an all defensive first team guy. Um, but then there's the obvious question. Well, okay. Like I was saying, you know, is in in the context of the playoffs and who you're expecting to have to beat this year, you know, how much does that hurt you? I mean, obviously, you always want better, you always want better defenders, you know, on the floor on the, on the floor than than not. Um, but it's it's an interesting question that you know the Bucks are going to have to confront because fundamentally, uh, you know, do they believe in Eric Bledsoe? That's that's a massive massive question, and it's been one they've had to figure out really since uh since last year's playoff well since the year before in the playoffs really um and and it's going to be probably one of those existential questions that's going to just follow them around until uh you know until until they it until it doesn't right yeah and I, i think the big point is the one you make i mean it's like if this team remains on 65 you know, maybe more winning pace. It's like, are you going to trade away your, your first team world defense point guard in the middle of that run? And then what happens if if, the, if you take a step back, then that is going to be the move forever that people are like, oh man, you really messed that up. And that's that's a scary, scary... I mean, you need a lot of guts to trade away Eric Bledsoe, I, I think at this point, even though what we've seen, and you could probably justify it and say, okay, well, you know, internally, I mean, you wouldn't come out and say it, but internally you could probably say, okay, I understand that they didn't have faith in him uh, in the postseason. And I, I don't expect Bledsoe to get traded. Like, if you were asking me right now, like, I don't think they're going to do that. They might make a move, um, you know, with some other pieces. They've got some draft picks now. Maybe one of the young guys, I don't know. Um, certainly. And he might, we, you know, it might be the shoulder with Sterling Brown, but he, he hasn't played really uh, rotation minutes uh, over this last couple of games. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there is a couple of... Uh, odd men out on the roster at the moment with with everyone mostly healthy but yeah it's i don't know it's one to watch it's one to watch but he's certainly his scoring has taken a, a back seat since chris middleton came back which uh you might expect but also um yeah it's 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 just one to monitor i think as it's always going to be with bledsoe but i don't know i, I did mention that we have pretty much gone through every single player on the roster from this <laughs> game I, I mean what else you got you got any final thoughts on on this uh on this game against the Clippers? Uh, I'm going to say that uh, I really hope the Bucks continue to show the focus that they've showed because losing to the Magic at home on Monday night after you know winning your 14th straight by crushing the Clippers would be hell of a a, a way for for this to end. But um, you know, again, this is this is the challenge of the NBA regular season when you are a team as good as the Bucks. It's obviously you know there's the challenges that you you always think of like playing a team as good as the Clippers, um, but then there's just sort of the night to night. You know, targets on your back. Um, everybody knows you're really good. Teams know that they have to play at a really high level. Uh, and how do you avoid complacency? How do you avoid, you know, kind of looking past a team like the Magic or 
you know, kind of saying like, Oh, all right, I've got to just go out and play this game. So, um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. Not see, I've, I've been just like assuming one of these bad losses just would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you'd have like kind of a shit happens sort of loss at some point here. Um, but you know, bucks just keep rolling. I mean, you know, they've been, they've, they've been favored, you know, pretty much probably every game that they've played here, but they're also, you know, the best team in the league right now. So that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, but uh, you know, you got to give them credit. I mean, I've never seen a 14 game win streak from the bucks in my lifetime as a, as a bucks fan. And it's not because, Oh, they just happened to catch a, an easy schedule. Right. I mean, every year teams play, you know, stretches of easy schedules and they don't typically win this many games in a row. So it's a, it's a remarkable stretch. And obviously, especially over this past week, I mean, just the, the margins by which they're being teams. Right. I mean, they are, you know, we've been kind of wondering like, okay, like when are they going to start playing some four quarter games? Uh, And well, now we're starting to see it. Yeah. 137 points. They've won the last four games by total. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. And I, I'm looking at the basketball reference, the the schedule now where it lists off the games one by one. And that streak of W's is, I mean, it's crazy to look at. They are, it is, it's, it's a remarkable run. I mean, you, you just don't see this. And now you mentioned the Orlando magic. So that's going to be uh, Monday night. And then they've got the Pelicans at home who are struggling. They've still got uh, a bunch of guys out injured and uh, obviously most notably Zion. And then, uh, they'll travel to Memphis and then they get the Cavs at home. So and another couple of games that if you're just purely putting the teams next to each other on paper, looking at their records, looking at what they've done this season, I mean, that's another four games you expect the Bucks to win. And that's before they get the the big uh, duo, I guess, uh, of Dallas and then and then the Lakers in town, uh, both in, in Milwaukee at Fiserv Forum, which is going to be a really fun couple of games, particularly if, if the Bucks go into that Mavericks game with an 18-game winning streak. I mean, that's... That's going to be a, another big one when when Luca comes in and the Mavericks, they just keep winning. But I think we are going to we're going to leave it there, Frank. It's uh, for our first pod on a Saturday night or Sunday afternoon. We've uh, we've we've had plenty to talk about. Yeah, I, I you know when we were talking about when we would pod on Friday, I was like, wait a minute, do they play Sunday? Because I wanted I, yeah. the last thing I wanted to do was let not another pod- game go by. Yeah, yeah, let another game go by, and then you know, wouldn't it be fitting if we have this, you know, yeah. the highlight of the 14 game winning streak. And then if they somehow, you know, shit the bed and lose to the magic, and then we have to cover both games in one and we can't really enjoy <laughs> the win over the Clippers. Cause we have to talk about, Oh yeah. Since then also they lost badly to the, you know, they had a bad loss to the magic. So anyway, glad we could just, you know, have a, an hour or so between us to, uh, to talk exclusively about a game that uh, I think, was is obviously the highlight of the Bucks season thus far, um, at least from a you know, kind of overall team perspective. And uh, yeah, um, you know, give credit to the Bucks. This team has been playing at a high level, and um, they they saved probably their highest level for uh, for an opponent that obviously uh, may may be an opponent later in the season again. All right, so the Bucks now twenty and three which again is just ridiculous to think about. They've won 14 in a row. They are going to get to the Orlando Magic next at home, looking for 15 in a row and to move to 21 and three. The Lakers also 20 and three out West, but we will leave it there for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.